This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. It's incredible how God has led us to the book of James uh, and the, the people he was writing to, it was during the diaspora, which is, uh, you know, during the first couple centuries. And uh, I, we have a map of, of the different regions that Rome inha- inhabited. These are the different regions. Uh, this was the Roman Empire. So James is writing to a group of people who were dispersed, thus the diaspora, all over the Roman Empire. And they weren't dispersed because they wanted to. They were dispersed because they had to. They had to be dispersed. They had to uh, be, you know, they had to infiltrate areas of, of foreign lands because the, the, the persecution of the Jews and the persecution of Christians. And by the way, let me just say, the persecution of Christians still exists um, in some of these regions. But I want you to see the second slide. It'll show you kind of where the diaspora. I mean, look at how far these Jews in the first couple centuries went all over uh, modern-day Europe. In fact, a lot of people don't know this, but there were um, there are a lot of uh, different pockets of Jewish people that are still in different areas of not just the U.S., but all over Europe and even Russia, and, and uh, the, the Jews are still dispersed. But that brought the message of Jesus, those Christian Jews brought the message of Jesus all over uh, the, the modern world. In fact, we know now through history that Joseph of Arimathea took uh, first century parchments to Glastonbury, England, and told people that were the, were the uh, relatives and, and, and family members of those that came across, the pilgrims that came across from the Mayflower, were related uh, through, through uh, generations to Joseph of Arimathea. So it's amazing how the diaspora uh, in James, it touches even us today here in America. And so in James chapter 4, we're going to finish this passage today, and we've really enjoyed kind of going through uh, this passage and seeing what the Lord has for us. But I want to read in verse number 13 down through verse number 17, and then we'll dive into it today. It says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy, sell, sell, and get gain. So, see, they're saying, We're going to go, and we're not just going to go. We're going to go and we're going to set up shop in one of these cities. We'll stay there for a year. Hopefully, hopefully the, the diaspora will have died down. Hopefully, the persecution will have died down, right? So, they're kind of saying what we're saying. Well, hopefully, in about a year, you know, hopefully, in about a year, everything will kind of die down right? So that, that's, that's what he's saying. He's like, go to now, like pay attention. Verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live, shall do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, in James, there, he's going to give us just a few things 
that are, are really practical, but, but I want to I show you there's a couple gifts. In fact, there's three gifts here in these four verses, and they're gifts that are temporary, meaning these are gifts that are only relevant right here, right now. And they're the three greatest gifts that God gives, uh, three of the greatest gifts God gives to everyone uh, here on earth. First is the gift of time. We're going to talk about that. He talks about that. Second is the gift of your mission. I want to debunk, uh, and and we're going to be starting build nights next week. I want to debunk the idea that only pastors should study theology, that only pastors should study the Bible. I want to let you in on a little secret. You know, everyone should study the Bible. Everyone should have a mission from God that says, hey, I am ready to go. I want to know what the Bible says. We're going to start next week just going verse by verse through some studies that I think will really be a help to you. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. But all of us have, have been given uh, God's Word, and, and we should want to study it, want to live it. Now, in James chapter 4, in verse number 13, James is, is giving us these, these wonderful gifts. And the last gift is the gift of decision. The gift of decision. We're going to have to make a decision with everything that we're, we're talking about today. And so that's where it's coming down to. It's coming down to a decision. And will we have the, the courage to make that decision? Will we have the courage to move forward with what God has told us to do? And let me summarize everything so you know where we're going. Here's a key thought. I want you to look at it in your notes. Our time on earth is too short to waste, and it's too important to waste our effort on saying yes to the wrong things. And so what James is trying to tell us is life is short, the mission's important, and so don't waste any time. Make the right decision today. Now, Satan, he wants you to say yes to things that may be good things, but aren't the best things. And I want to tell you something about the Bible. It is simple enough to understand, and it is simple enough to do, in the sense that if, if, you, if you come to the Bible and you say, man, it's so hard to understand, and, and not only is it hard to understand, what I do understand, I just don't feel like I can do. The moment you, you recognize, I want you to step back and say, wait a second. There was once this guy at this church I went to one time, and he told me something from James. And what, what James is saying is James is saying, go to now. I want you to pay attention to this because if you pay attention to this, everything else is going to make sense. Everything else is going to come into focus. Now, I want to let you in on a little secret. My, uh, my wife knows this. Thank you. But I, uh, I have a confession to make. I am not a huge fan. I don't think I ever will be of dating TV shows. I just, dating on TV, it just doesn't seem authentic to me. Now, if you're into that thing, okay, there's an altar, okay. But no, but listen, and the reason why I'm not into it and we've had some people in our church who've worked on these shows, and they make a living. I'm not criticizing you going to work, uh, but I am. I am saying that rarely does the does the girl on the show does she say yes to the right person. How do you know that? Pull up the last few things. News clips. News clip. This person who was going to marry to be married to this person, she actually married the producer. Surprise, surprise. What did you think was going to happen? You're on TV, lady. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Man, that was a tough topic to handle. I, I need to get off that. But listen, 
there, there are some things that you say yes to in a moment, and you don't say yes to the right thing. The one thing that, that Satan knows is if he can get you saying yes to something that's urgent and ignoring what God says is important, he will get you saying yes, not realizing that every yes is a no to something else. And so we have to steward the gifts God's given us. Let's look at the first one, verse number 13. We have urgency. We have real urgency because we are stewarding the time we've been given. So the urgency of now in verse number 13. I want you to write the word time. He says, go to now. This is uh, a go nine is, is, the, is the word. Look at this, he says. Focus your attention here. Gain perspective because to, he says, if you say tomorrow, a future time, soon I'll do this. It's, it's, it's just putting off what God wants you to focus on today. Listen, put pause on whatever you're going through and focus on this point right now. And it is a point that God wants you to understand that there is a moment of time he's given you right now to make a decision for him. And you may not have another one. God wants you to understand that tomorrow is a date on a fool's calendar that makes him feel better about wasting today. And so we have to look at the Word of God and say, if we're going to boast ourselves about tomorrow, what we're really saying is we don't believe that God is the holder and the giver of time and energy for those who have it. Now, there's a couple of misconceptions about time, and I always love it when I hear these. First is that time flies when you're having fun. And I just want to debunk that because, you know, time doesn't actually ever speed up. You realize that, right? I mean, it, it just ticks at the same rate. What we're really saying is time flies when you're distracted and not realizing how slow time ticks. It, 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 it seems like it passes further, faster. And, and the other one is that everyone has the same 24 hours. Now, listen, we all have 24 hours, but not all of us, okay, can do what some people can do in 24 hours. I mean, some people, they can really pack in a 24 hours. And so some people's 24 hours seem long and other people's 24 hours seem to go by really fast. But regardless, it's all a gift from God. And I've had some people say to me, you know, hey, listen, what is, why does God care about my time? What I do with my time is my time. And the question is, is it really your time if you don't even know how much you have? The other question is, you know, if God is the giver of your time, then doesn't he have a little bit of a say of what you do with it? So here's the key thought. Wisdom plans for more tomorrows, but prioritizes as if today was the last. And so the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now, uh, verse 13 says, it says, go to now. And then verse 14 says, um, don't, you, the, 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 don't you know that your life is even a vapor? It appeareth for a little time and it vanishes away. Now, today we're turning four, so I thought it would be appropriate to, uh, to, to light this little uh, candle here. Uh, the word vapor is the word atmis, atmis. And it's where we get the word, it's the root for atmosphere. Uh, but it also is, is it, means, it means a puff of smoke that's there, you can see it. And then finally, it just fades and drifts away with the wind. Time is a lot like that. Time is, is something that you can feel, taste, smell. You can, it's right there. You can see it. You can see the clock ticking down. You can feel the, 
the, the clock on your wrist, if you have an actual watch that ticks, tells time. Uh, but you, 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 have, you have the sense of time, and then finally it just seems to be there one moment and gone the next. And the urgency of now is to steward the little time that God has given us. I had a kid ask me one time, when time is gone, where does it go? Oh, that's a good question. You know my answer to that now? When time is gone, it goes on record. You know, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. All of us will have to give an account for the time, for the moments that we've had. Moments are seeds that are either wasted or planted, and the harvest we reap in this life and the life next is determined by how we choose to plant those seeds and, and, and how we've uh, given our time and attention to the things around us and to the impo- important priorities that God has laid within his word. And so it says it's a vapor. It's a vapor. It's a sunset that's setting. It's a, it's, it's a mist that's in the air and then it's gone. It's a smoke that you see and then it's gone. But then it says it appeareth and then it's gone. So let's not focus on what we are losing. Let's focus on what we have now, okay? Now, the time we have. So the word appeareth is where we get the word phenomenal. It's phenomeni is the, is the Greek word. And, and it literally means to, to, to be vibrant, to be a flash. But, but it actually, the, the, the word here means to shine brightest right after it's been broken. Now, the Old Testament uses this, uh, a similar uh, phrase for this word because um, when, they would, when they would want to make their lamp brighter, they were these little clay lamps and they would have a, they would break the lamp and the flame would be exposed inside. In fact, Gideon did this. He broke the lamp. He broke the pitcher, and it made a brighter light. So all of the fuel was burning. And so we don't have a lamp, and I wasn't planning on breaking a ninth century pottery, okay? So I just thought of a glow stick. The glow stick, it's, it, it's somewhat of a bright color, but the more that it's broken, the more that it's, that it's cracked, almost like you're trying to crack it in half, the, the more that a glow stick is broken, the brighter it becomes. I want to tell you something about your life. The harder the trials get, the darker the night, the more you are broken by the, the things that are difficult around you, the brighter your light can shine. You know what's amazing about this time during a pandemic is I have seen people who've been broken during this pandemic whose light shines brighter now because they have gone through a trial. And God is wanting us to understand that the moment we have right now must be invested. The pain that we have right now must be invested for other people to see the light as well. And so here's an action item. Ask yourself, how can my light get brighter in this dark day? You see, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Uh, the night cometh when no man can work. So as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And we are now his lights, his emissary to carry the light. So what does this mean? What, is, what does it mean to carry the light? Well, that's our mission. Number two, so first, we steward the why. It's an urge, or we steward the now. It's urgent. The time is running out. We don't know how much time we have. But then secondly, we steward the, the why. Why are you on this earth? Why new life? Why four years? Why? What is, what is our purpose? What is our mission here at New Life? What is, it, what is the mission of a church? Why should we be doing this? Why is there hope? People ask me, why are you doing what you do? I had someone ask me this week, why are you a pastor? Why in the world would you be a pastor? <laughs> you know? 
I mean, they don't ask construction workers that, you know. Like, why in the world would you do that? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of insulting, actually, now that I think of it. But the word, the key word here is mission. Mission. It's my mission. It's, it's what I know God has called me to do. And so James is saying, listen, there's a mission here. There's something that God is calling you to do. And in James 4, in, in verse number 14, he says, what is your life? Let me ask you that. What is your life? What is your life worth? What, 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 is, what, is, what are you doing with your life? Do you have a why? Do you have a reason for living? And James, I believe, gives us this, this mission. I love this. He gives us this, this plan, this plan of attack. Like, here's what you can do. Ever since my boys were real little, I think they, they got it from Daniel. I said that in the first service, and, and uh, I, I know they didn't get it from me, so that's just deduction, easy deduction. But um, when Camden was real small, I, I went into his room. I think Danielle was, was with, her, with her family or something, and I was with Camden. He was like two or three, and, and he came in, and he said, Dad, plan. Dad, plan. I'm like, what? Play? Pen, you know, you're kind of guessing. This is a new word for me. Plant, plant, plant. What are you saying? It's just me and you, man. We got to figure this thing out, you know? So I'm like, uh, no, no. Plant, plant. Finally, he was trying to ask me, Dad, what's the plan? He's a three-year-old. Who cares what the plan is? You're going to eat. You're going to play. You're going to sleep. He wanted to know the plan. You know, you know my boys still ask, first thing, you can ask Daniel, first thing out of their mouth, Dad, what's the plan? What's the plan today? Do you know what they're really asking? Hey, Dad, how much fun am I going to have today? Because, you know, when I tell them the plan, sometimes you know what they say? Uh, can we have a new plan? Is there something else we can do? Let's try this again. Walk out of the room, walk back in. Hey, Dad, what's the plan? <laughs> right? Now, now, you know what we do with God when we come to him? We say, hey, God, what's the plan? And if it's not good enough, we come back to him and say, hey, Dad, hey, God, can we have a new plan, right? Hey, 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 I didn't really like my first answer, so I'm going to come back to you. And James is saying, wait a second, hold on, time out. What is your life? What, is, what are you doing with your life? Are you doing what you want or are you doing what God wants? And so he said, come to, come to your life with a God-focused, urgent mission. Now, how do we know this is written urgent? Well, 17 words in these four verses are written in the aorist imperative, meaning James is saying, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. It would be like if I sent you a text message in all caps, and after every letter, I put a period. You guys get that? It's like, please do this now. <laughs> Even the go-to now, it's like, it's like, don't pass, you know, don't, don't pass this opportunity. So it's urgent, Okay. So, so, so he's saying there has to be an urgency. Now, here's the key thought. There must be an urgency to place our plans into God's hands. Did you know that's your mission in life? That's your why, is to place your plans into his hands, and it's to pick up his plans as your own. You see, I used to always read this verse in, in verse number 16, or verse number 15, when it says, what you ought to say is if the Lord will do this and that. I used to always, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Let's, let's tack that on. Let's put that as a, uh, you know, charm on the charm bra bracelet, right? Well, you know, Disneyland opens, Lord willing, right? 
if, if you know, we're going to take this vacation, Lord willing, you, know, you just kind of throw that in there like, you know, maybe this will happen. I mean, if God wants it to, you know, if he's actually good, right? But, but actually, this is not about the sovereignty of God. I truly believe this. And you study it out and you tell me if I'm wrong. But I believe this is not about the sovereignty of God. I believe this is about our submission to God. I believe that James is saying what you ought to say is if this plan matches according to what God says he wants, then I will do this or that. But I am not supposed to try to bend God's plan to what I want. I'm supposed to bend my plan to what God wants. And, and so I've read this verse all backwards. And you know why I've read that verse all backwards? Because I want to do what my sons do to me. I want to try to get God to serve me instead of me serving God. And that's our natural tendency, isn't it? Why in the world would we, would, would we have these serve projects? You know, I, I, I was trying to, 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 to think through, man, what, what can we do? And we have several serve projects today afterwards. If you want to serve, we have stuff here, stuff out in the community, and it's all safe and, and, and been approved by the city and all of that. And I'm like, man, why, why are we doing this? And, 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 and the Lord just kind of answered the, the question. You're doing it because it's your mission. It's, you're doing it because it's your why. That, that, that we're trusting God, we're placing our hands, uh, our times in his hands. And, and he says, but, but most people are, are rejoicing in their boasting. Now you say, well, pff, it's not bad to rejoice. Why does verse 16 sound so much like a Debbie Downer? Like you're boasting and you're, you're rejoicing and you're boasting and you're boasting and you're rejoicing. Like that does not sound like a bad thing to be rejoicing. I mean, doesn't the Bible say rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice. I mean, that's in the Bible too, right? totally different word for rejoicing. I want you to notice this. The, the word for rejoicing here is self-boasting. It's self-glory. And I want you to uh, correct a, a typo in your notes at the, at the end of, this is my fault by the way, at the end of point two. When we are pursuing our self-promotion, God wants you to, to be improved into the, his image and and, but our self-promotion, that's what the self-boasting is. It's not self-improvement. It's self-boasting. Cross out self-improvement. Put, put self-promotion. Self-promotion is always evil. Why? Because it pulls us away from God, and it pulls our focus toward ourselves. You see, we are not made. Our mission is not ourselves. It is not the world swirling around us. It is us serving those around us. We need to understand that. Warren Wiersbe in his book, Be Mature, which is really a abrasive title for a book, but he talks about um, spiritual maturity. It's really good on James. If you've been enjoying this series on James, it's a great read. But it says, you no longer will be living in a mysterious, threatening world when you see your life through your God-given mission. I want to debunk something right now. It is not just everyone's ability and, and, and responsibility to study the Bible. Do you know it's everyone's ability and responsibility to minister one to another? Ministers are not just people who stand on the stage or call themselves pastors. Everyone can be a minister. Everyone can be someone who carries the message of gospel. That's our mission. That's our why. Life makes so much more sense when, uh, when we're focused on God, when we're living for Him. And so, number one, the urgency of now. The time is short. Number two, the urgency of why. Our mission is serving God by serving 
others. And number three, the urgency of yes. The urgency of yes. And this is the word decision. The decision. Now, where do we get the the decision? What decision is he bringing us to at the end of chapter four? Well, he's been talking about, you know, being humble and focused on others and not judging others and and not, you know, not, not focused on what others think and all of these things. And he really is coming down to something that he started in chapter one. Remember in chapter one and verse 22 when he said, he said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Well, now he's tying and he's weaving that back to another option. So he's like, you need to do what you, what, what, what you say you believe. But now he kind of turns the corner and he says, but also you need to make a decision that if you know to do something and you don't do it, it's sin. So to, to do something wrong is wrong. But to not do something good is wrong as well. It's the sin of omission. And so he says this in verse number 17. He says, Therefore to him, or to her, that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, I want to encourage everyone here to, to focus your attention on the, the first part of this verse. Because it says, to him that knoweth to do good. I would like to just say that many of us, maybe not all of us, but many of us, are far more educated biblically beyond the level of our obedience currently. I believe that we all know something that we're not doing. And so a lot of times we blame not obeying on not understanding the Bible, but I really think that the core root of it is that we're not doing what we understand. And so we have to ask ourselves, and, and here's, the, here's the action item. We have to track what we're saying yes to by marking down what we've said no to. See, in order to say yes to one thing, you have to say no to something else. In, in, order, to, in order to say yes and make it an urgent decision to follow Jesus, you're going to have to say no to following, following your own impulses. In order to say yes in the kingdom of God and to further the kingdom of righteousness, in order to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you're going to have to seek less your own kingdom, your own desires, your own impulses in this life. And so the decision to say yes to Jesus is a decision to say no to ourselves. So here's the takeaway. Takeaway is this. God gives us a moment for now. Key, key word now. God gives us a moment for now and the mission for why. But it is up to us to make the decision to say yes. Now, there may be one in here who needs to say yes to Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that. And, and, and you say no to your own good works of trying to deal with your sin on your own. You say yes to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's called salvation. Might be someone in here who says, you know, I need to say yes in, in the area of, of baptism and, and, and acknowledging the death, burial, and resurrection. Might be someone in here who say, I need to say yes in developing my walk with God, being a follower of, of Jesus, being a disciple, learner, follower of Jesus. I need to say yes to small groups. and I need, to, I, need, I need to make a priority of coming to a small group on Wednesday night. I need to say yes to serving. Whatever it might be, God's calling some to say yes. I don't know how much time you will have to say yes. 
But saying yes is imperative because it's your mission. It's why God put you here. God created you. And as much as the world doesn't like it, as much as Americans will be like, I'm not owned by anyone, Jesus purchased you as as a blood-bought believer. Jesus purchased you with his own blood. This is not my church. This is Christ's church. And so we follow his mission. I will tell you, sometimes people are like, well, you know, if I knew a little bit more about the Bible, I'd, I'd say yes. I would follow. I'd be a follower. I just knew a little bit more. And I want to tell you something that happened to me physically that, that really drove home this principle spiritually. I was training a replacement for, I was working at a college, and I was training my replacement. We were on the 138. And we came to the, the last hill before we, before we were to get to the 138. And, 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 and at the crest of the hill, the man right in front of us driving a white car decided to pass the person in front of him. And so he went to go pass. And little did he know, there was a family of a, 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 a mom and, and, and a son and a daughter uh, coming over the hill. And, and he was going about 75. They were going about 65. And right at the blind spot, Head-on collision, 138, right before you got to get to the 15. Immediately we pulled over. It was, it was horrific. And I won't go through all the details. The man was dying, and I was, I was at his window trying to keep him alert. I remember when the paramedics, they landed the helicopter on uh, 138, and they walked over to the car, and, and I think we have a picture of the car. It was a mangled mess. It was, it was horrific, a terrible accident. And, 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 and there were already paramedics working on the family. and all, Everyone with the family had some broken bones, but they were going to live. And this man, I, I feared he was going to die. So I was trying to keep him alert. I prayed with him. I, I, I talked to him. I, I did everything I could for him. But I'll never forget that person walking off the helicopter, coming over and looking into the car, and they, they, they started to open up the car. And I, I chose not to show the video just just, just, it's, it's blurred, but I, I didn't want to show it because I want you to get this instead. I want you to get the, 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 this paramedic looking at me and looking down at this man who had, who, who, who had just had the worst accident of his life and, and no doubt and, and, and had just lost both of his legs. And he said, why didn't someone tourniquet his legs? He said, you're wearing a belt. Why didn't you tourniquet his legs? Why didn't someone think to tourniquet his legs? I had no medical training. In fact, I just was trying to keep them alert. I didn't know what else to do. I was waiting for them. We had called. We were waiting. And I'll never forget that. I could have done more. Now, you know that the next time I'm in that position, how many of you know I'm going to do that? But spiritually, we have moments like I had physically all the time where, where God is calling us to be hope. You know the answer. You know there's hope in Jesus Christ. You know that there's people around you who are dying without hope. You know that new life comes through Jesus Christ. And many of us could tell others that hope. We could tourniquet the bleeding in their relationships by telling them that we live in a broken world and only Jesus can fill the void inside their soul. We can tell them about the grace of God that heals the guilt and the shame that they're uh, having anxiety about from past experiences. We can help them. 
And I believe that we're going to get to the judgment day at the end of time, and, and, and Jesus is going to look at, at, at us and say, why didn't you say that to your neighbor? Why didn't you say that to your friend? Why, 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 why'd you just give them friendly words and not, and not grace-filled gospel words? And that moment of, of, of disappointment and the moment of, wow, I could have done more, will be ten times what I felt at that scene of the accident. I believe it'll be a moment of regret, and yes, it'll be followed by grace and love and, and all of that, and all the tears will be wiped away, but friends, I would be lying if I was not sharing with you the urgency that James shares in this passage to say that there is a moment that we must steward as a church, and there is a moment that you must steward as an individual, and the moment will come, and it'll pass, and you'll have to give an answer for that moment. You'll have to give an answer for the friends and the neighbors. I want you to take out your bulletin because there's something inside as we close, something practical that you can do. There's a little card, and on that card it has the information of these services. We've stepped out by faith because we have seen the need. We've seen the, the, the 35% increase in divorces in our city over the last three months. We've, we, we've, we've seen the number increase, the 81 people who've tried to kill uh, themselves during the pandemic. We've seen that. We've seen the desperation in our city, and we are not going to be silent. We believe that the, the church of the living God needs to be louder and brighter than ever before, and we intend to be here and be a light in our community as long as we have breath in our lungs and life to give. We are going to give life to others in this community. That's our mission. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you if you would do it with us. On this fourth anniversary, I believe the greatest thing you could do is not come celebrate with us. We're so thankful you're here. And we're so thankful to have four years of serving Jesus here in West Palmdale. But I will tell you something. There's something greater yet. There is something we can do. There are people around us who need new life. There are bins, as I told at the beginning of the service. There are Yvette's, as I told. There are Jason's, as I told. I believe that there are people out there waiting for us to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to be that salt and light. I would encourage you to do something kind for someone near you and give this to them and say, listen, there's a, there's a place of hope. There's a place of, of new life. And if you need anything, please feel free to contact us. I, listen, it's not about the church. You want to tell them about Jesus, it's not about the church. You do that. But I will tell you this. Time is short, and we have to do what we can while it is yet day. For night cometh when no man can work it. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.